0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon.
1: Folks, we're, we're going through the... Second and third chapter of Revelation. And it's not a prophetic passage. It's actually a series of letters that I'm calling the seven that Jesus sent to these seven churches in Asia Minor at the time, talking about stuff that they were going through and stuff that they maybe needed to change and stuff that they needed to do. And I think it's relevant to where you and I are at. Because remember when I started this series, I said that. All of us would love to hear from Jesus about what we need to do in our lives. Am I not correct in saying that? You would love for Jesus to say, hey, I want you to do this. Or, hey, I want you to change this. Because a lot of times we'll say, God, what do you want me to do? Well, here he's written seven letters to seven churches. And each church is facing a different situation. But the messages that he gave them are relevant to you and I today. So remember, the first church was Ephesus And that was a forgotten love. They were doing all the right things, but they forgot the reason why they were doing it. They forgot their love for Jesus. The second church was a church at Smyrna. It was a church, again, doing all the right things, but they were suffering. They were in poverty. And Jesus is pointing out to them, I know what you're going through. In fact, I know what's about to come. You just trust in me. You hang on. You have hope. This third church now is the church at Pergamos. And... To be honest with you, it's a church that is doing some things okay, but it's a church that's got some problems. And what the problems reveal is actually something that you and I struggle with all the time. It's a word called compromise. Now let me just stop for a moment because if you're here and you've been in church a long time, you could probably remember that word compromise being talked about a lot years ago. It used to be an issue in church, especially in conservative churches, that you didn't want to be compromising in your life. And so you maybe heard a lot of messages about don't compromise, don't compromise, don't do this because you'll be compromising, and it used to be a focus. And it almost, to be honest with you, became a legalism. So we kind of quit talking about that because we didn't want to appear legalistic. And so in our reaction to the legalism, we actually began to, let me just kind of say it to you, began to compromise areas of our life again for fear of falling into legalism because we wanted to be accepted. We didn't want to be regimented. We didn't want to be told what we could and couldn't do because we believed that Jesus forgives everything, so it's okay, it's wonderful, I can do this, I can do that. Well, the problem is Jesus is writing a letter to a church where they had that kind of mentality. They didn't want to be what they should be, and they kind of compromised with different areas. And the problem was is Jesus says, I got a problem with that. We're going to look at that letter today. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about me and you living in compromise in our lives. We're we're, we're, we're going to talk about the compromise that takes over and how Jesus feels about it. And you might be surprised because somehow we get this concept that Jesus just loves everybody. Jesus just, you know, he, he's willing to overlook everything. But you're going to find out that that's not necessarily true. So let's look at the word together. We're in verse 12. We're going to look up to verse 17. So look with me at verse 12. And to the angel or messenger of the church in Pergamus write, These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know your works, where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name, and did not deny my faith even in the days in which Antipas, my faithful martyr who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you, because you have there those who hold to the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have those who hold to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which I hate. Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and fight against you with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone. And on that stone, a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to again take this letter, divide it into four sections. We're going to talk about it's him. We're going to see that in verse 12, how Jesus identifies himself. And again, as we look at the identification here, it's always relevant to what Jesus is going to talk to them about. So it's real relevant to this issue about living in compromise. We're going to see that, verse 12. Then we're going to talk about, in verses 13 to 15, what he knows. What he knows about them, and, and really, to be honest with you, what he knows about you and I. And the fact is, is he knows everything. You can be good at covering in your life, but you can't cover your life from Jesus. So he knows everything. Then we're going to see, verse 16, What must happen? He's going to tell them what to do. He's going to tell us what to do about it in our lives. And then he's going to follow it up. The fourth section is is the promise. What does he promise us if we do these things? So let's talk about it's him. Notice how he describes himself. Verse 12, he says this. These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. What in the world does that mean? Sharp two-edged sword. Well, I want you to think with me for a moment. Go back to Revelation chapter 1, and I want you to notice with me verse 16 of chapter 1. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. So again, this two-edged sword that he has is coming out of his mouth. When you go all the way to Revelation chapter 19, and it talks about when Jesus comes, he's riding on a white horse, it says out of his mouth was a sharp Two-edged sword. Now, what is it that we're talking about? Well, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul points out that the word of God is what? The sword. So we're talking about here that the word of God is the sword. So he has the word of God. He speaks the word of God. So here's what I want you to notice about him. First thing, it has to do with his judgment. He is the judge who has the word of God. He is the judge who has the word of God. Now let's stop for a moment. Why is that significant? All right. So we're going to talk about compromise. We're going to talk about how we get to compromise. We're going to talk about how we can get to the place where we become accepting of things that we know, let's stop for a moment, that we know aren't right. We're going to talk about how we can develop that attitude. And a lot of times how we develop that attitude is because we might have a wrong attitude perception of who Jesus is and who God is and that because of the forgiveness thing because we have forgiveness through Christ a lot of us think of forgiveness kind of like you know if i reach into my wallet here right now and i pull out my snappy's card let's let's pretend that this snappy's card is my forgiveness card i get it when i get saved and compromise leads us to think that when we do wrong i can just pull that card out and swipe on the bank of forgiveness with Jesus. And he's going to be okay with me doing whatever because I got the forgiveness card. Here's what I want you to see. He describes himself as the judge who has the two-edged sword. What is that? The judge who has the word of God. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus isn't going to judge you based upon, quote, his forgiveness of you. He's going to judge you based upon the Word of God and what He said in the Word of God. So let me just stop for a moment. Like, okay, here's the thing. I love my kids, but if I tell them to do a job and they don't do it, I don't discipline them because of the forgiveness thing. I forgive them maybe, but I discipline them based upon whether or not they did what I told them to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now if I exhibit forgiveness afterwards, that's grace. Getting what you don't deserve. Now the problem is is for you and I when we live in compromise we think grace is something that we always deserve, right? We think grace is something that we always deserve. But the problem is, is Jesus is trying to communicate to this church that's living in compromise I am the one who judges with the word of God. I'm the one who judges you in your life because of what I told you and told you not to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? I told you and told you not to do. Now he describes the word of God as a two-edged sword. What does that mean? The word of God is both the word of life and death. The word of God is both the word of life and death. It's a two-edged sword. To some, the word of God is life. Why? Because it brings salvation. It brings freedom. It brings victory. But to others... It's the other edge of the sword. It brings death. In fact, Paul would refer to it as where a fragrance of life or death. It had an aroma that brought a fragrance of life or death to people. When you share the gospel with people, when you share the message of Jesus, to some people that's the word of life because they accept it and they they receive forgiveness. But for some people it's a death sentence. Why? Because they're without excuse. See, here's the thing, folks. You need to understand the word of God when it comes to our life is either life or death for us. Now you say, I'm not going to hell because I didn't do it. No, no. But you're going to see that God can do something else, not send you to hell, but deal with you in other ways because you didn't do what he told you to do. It's either words of life or death. You say, whoa, George, this is getting heavy. Well, folks, here's what I want you to understand. When we talk about compromising what we believe in your life, that's a serious issue. And we'll see how serious it is here in a moment. Let's take a look at it. Look at what he knows. Verses 13 and 15. Notice with me verse 13. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. First thing I want you to know, Jesus knows the world we live in and its dangers. Jesus knows the world we live in and it's dangerous. Because here's the thing. You might be saying, okay, George, that's wonderful. You know, it's the word of God. I can't be compromising the word of God. And God's word tells me to do these things and he tells me not to do these things. But hold on a second. That was 2,000 years ago. I live in America, in Pennsylvania, in Clearfield County in the year 2016. And it ain't like that anymore. It's a lot harder. And the pressure to give in, is greater than it's ever been. And God can't expect this from me. I'm going to have to bend a little. We've all got to bend a little to to kind of make it work. You ever been there? I've been there. But here's what I want you to see. Jesus says, look, I know where you live. You live where Satan's throne is, he tells this church. And he says, look, I'm aware of what's going on. I know what's happening at work. I know what's happening at school. I know what's happening in your family unit. And you don't want to be looked like as you're something different and you just kind of want to blend in a little bit. All you're doing is just blending in. I know where you are, Jesus says. I know what you're going through. I know the pressures that are on you to bend. That's a nicer way of saying compromise, isn't it? He knows the world we live in and the dangers. Notice that's the positive thing he says. Here's the negative thing he says. Look at this. He says this. I have a few things against you. Boy, hold on a second. If you heard Jesus and he says, you know, hey, hey, I love you, but I got a problem. That's not a good thing to say, right? He's got a problem with him. Notice what he says. Because you have there those who hold to the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, and to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Thus, you also have those who hold to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which I hate. Here's the second point I want you to see about what he knows. He knows that they are compromising their morality and their faith. They're compromising their morality and their faith. The doctrine of Balaam, what is that? Well, if you go all the way to the book of Numbers... You will see the story of Balaam. We know the story of Balaam, especially from Sunday school if you're a kid, about the donkey talking to Balaam not to go, remember? But the doctrine of Balaam is this. What happened was is is while he would not curse Israel, he taught Balak how to compromise Israel, how to cause Israel to sin. And so what he did was is he had the women from Balak's kingdom seduced the men of Israel. And they seduced him in two areas. They seduced him into sexual immorality, which God had told them not to do, and as well as they seduced him into the worship of idols. Remember, God said you'll worship no other god except what? Himself. So they were compromising their morality. That's what the doctrine of Balaam is. Now, the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, you're kind of wondering, what is that? We saw that in the first letter because the first church didn't go along with that. That was a compromise of their faith because what the Nicolaitans taught was is that you needed to be a part of the culture, and so you needed to adjust what you believe to be a part of the culture. What do you mean adjust what you believe? Well, okay, like right now. We're going to adjust what we believe so that the culture is okay with what we believe. And here's what Jesus says. I hate both of those things. And I know, he says to the church at Pergamus, that you are compromising your life in that area. In those two areas. You're compromising your life in your morality and you're compromising your life in your faith. Folks, let's just be honest. We compromise all the time, don't we? In those two areas. Why? Because think about it. Whether you're in a workplace, whether you're at school, whether you're with family, whether you're with a group of friends that you're normally with, sometimes you're going to face a situation. No, sometimes to it. You're going to face a situation where some of your friends or family members or co workers or whatever, fellow students, are doing things that you know, you know in your heart are wrong. But you want, shall I say it? I want, you want to be what? Accepting. We don't like rejection. Let me just stop for a moment. Anybody here like rejection? How many of you like rejection? Nobody. Glad nobody likes that. Because again, come talk to me. We'll send you to somebody to talk to you. Just being honest with you, that's not normal. And if you're normal here, nobody likes to be rejected. So when you're in a group of people and somebody, and and, and look, trust me, there's always going to be somebody wanting to do something that you know, you know in your heart because God told you through His Word or the Holy Spirit's telling you, don't do this, you compromise. You go along with it. You might even participate in it. And here's the thing Oh, but I'll be forgiven. Jesus is okay. Didn't he take care of that? He he died on the cross. That sounds okay if you didn't read the rest of the Bible. Because when you read the Bible, if you look at verse 15, it says there about the sin of the Nicolaitans, I hate this. Think that's pretty strong? Excuse me for a minute. Do you think hate is a pretty strong word? He's not happy with us doing that. He's not, and He knows it. Some of you right now, the Spirit of God is bringing to your mind the compromise that you are engaging in in your life, wherever it is. I don't know what it is. I don't even know what the issue is. That's not the point. I'm talking in a broad, general principle here. But the Spirit of God is the one who communicates to you specifics. And He's communicating to you right now, saying yeah, it's this area in your life. You're compromising in this life with this group of people, with this in your life, with this issue, with this habit, with whatever. And he's saying to you, I'm not happy with it. Don't brush it off. Don't say it's okay because I've got forgiveness. Don't whip out the forgiveness card. First of all, who's the one who gave you the forgiveness card anyhow? Jesus. And if he tells you he doesn't like it, I think I'd better pay attention, right? I know I need to. So this is what he sees. He's aware that we live in a culture that's going to hell. He's aware that we live in a culture that wants us to compromise, that wants us to bend what we believe. He's aware that we're in a culture that wants us to bend our morality. But he says, when you do it, I'm aware of it, and I'm not happy. I'm not happy. So you say, what do we need to do about it then, George? What do I need to do about it? because it's true in my life too. What do we need to do about it? Well, look with me, verse 16, and I'll explain to you what he saying. Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. What's he talking about here? Two things I want you to see. First of all, repent. Come to your senses about the compromise in your life. That's what repentance is. Repentance is not just confession. A lot of times we want to reduce it down to, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's what we do with forgiveness. We whip out the card, ask for forgiveness, but guess what? We go do it again. That's not repentance. Repentance is coming to your senses. It's like the prodigal waking up one day after he's been eating the pig slop, and he decides, you know what? Things were better when I was with my father. Let me go back to him. Perhaps he'll accept me. But you know what? Here's the thing about repentance. You know that he'll accept you and you decide to live a new life now. You decide to make a change. Here's what he's saying. You need to come to your senses about the compromise in your life and I need to come to my senses about the compromise in my life. And you know what it is. He's revealing it to you. Quit brushing it off that I'm forgiven. It's okay. He doesn't like it. What do you mean he doesn't like you? I have been reading a little book by John Piper called 50 Reasons Why Jesus Had to Die. And the fact of the matter is is that my sin put Jesus on the cross. He died for my sin. Now let me just stop for a moment. If you had to die for somebody's sin, how do you think about that sin? Is it just okay for you to keep doing it no one put somebody on a cross? Think about what we think, what we don't think when we think, oh, it's okay, I'll just ask for forgiveness. That put him on the cross, folks. No wonder he hates it. He agonized on the cross with our sin, experienced for the first time ever in his life separation from the Father when the Father turned away from him. Do you think he really appreciates you and I doing the stuff that we do? You say, you're being pretty heavy here. It's all part of what? Coming to your senses. It's about getting real about the stuff in your life. Come to your senses about the compromise in your life. Here's the second thing I want you to see about why, what must happen. If we don't deal with our compromise, Jesus will punish us. That's what he means here. I will come and fight you with the sword of my mouth. What's he talking about here? Fight you with the sword of the mouth. Well, we already said the sword of the mouth is God's word. He's the judge. He's going to judge you. You mean I'm going to go to hell? I'm going to lose my salvation? No, that's not what he's talking about. But what he's talking about when he talks about bringing judgment into a believer's life is he's talking about punishing us. Do you know what I'm saying? Just like a loving father would punish his child to correct them, to get them back where they need to be, he will bring punishment in your life. Isn't that interesting? That's the one thing we don't talk about. We'll talk about forgiveness all day long, but we don't talk about that God's a loving heavenly father who will what? Discipline us when we do wrong. This is the point. He says, if you don't deal with the compromise, if you don't deal with your compromise, I'm going to come and punish. This is a serious thing. You say, wow, George, this is heavy. Well, let me give you the promise now. Look with me at verse 17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on that stone a new name, written that no one knows except him who receives it what's he saying here two things about the promise those who overcome will not lack provision when jesus comes hidden manna what's that talking about well the only other time in the scripture we talk about manna is in is in the old testament book of exodus book of numbers book of leviticus book of deuteronomy even the book of joshua It will mention the manna and talk about how from the time that they left Egypt to the time that they crossed over the Jordan to go into Israel, into what is Palestine and take what is their inheritance, God provided for them six days a week manna from heaven so that they would never lack anything to eat. And they were told exactly how much to gather for their family to provide for them. God provided for them. Now here's what the promise is. He says this, look, I want you to do right. I want you to live for me. I don't want you to compromise your life. And and yes, you're going to have to endure. And folks, listen, when you decide not to compromise in your life, that makes that doesn't make life easy, does it? It's easier to compromise. And so what he's saying here is, look, when you overcome, when you endure, you endure to the end. I will take care of you forever. You'll not lack anything forever. What a promise. Now here's the second thing he promises, and I think it goes right to the heart of the issue of compromise. Okay, let's stop. Before I tell you what he says, let's talk about why we compromise again. The reason why we compromise is because we want to be what? Accepted. Because we don't like what? rejection. Everybody understand? We want to be accepted so we will bend. Nice word of saying we'll compromise what we believe and how we live and what we think in order to be what? Accepted. Now here's what he's saying. To those who overcome. Again, if you don't bend, if you don't compromise, life isn't going to be easy here, is it? Again, he didn't promise it was going to be easy. And especially if you're not bending, if you're not compromising in what you believe, and if you're not compromising in your morality, it's going to be difficult. And so he's saying, to those who overcome, to those who endure to the end, I'm going to give you a white stone, and on that white stone is your new name that nobody else will know except you. What in the world does that mean, George? Let me tell you what it means. In the Roman culture, they had adoption. Now, their adoption was a little bit different, especially among the elite. They would adopt people, and sometimes adults. And so somebody would be adopted. And when you were adopted, you get a new what? New name. And part of the ceremony with the Romans is is they would hand you a rock as part of the ceremony of adoption. And on that Rock was not your old name, but your new name as a part of that adopted Roman family. So here's what I want you to see. Here's the second point of the promise. This is what you've got to understand. Those who overcome will have a new identity and standing. You're going to have a new identity. Listen, folks, the reason why we compromise, the reason why we bend our faith, the reason why we bend our morality is because we're afraid of being rejected and we want to be accepted. But what he's saying to you is this. You hold on. You come to your senses because if you overcome, if you endure to the end, I'm going to give you a new identity. That's the whole reason why we worry about acceptance, isn't it? And We don't like rejection is because we're afraid of what our standing will be among those people. He said, if you endure, you'll have a new standing and a new identity forever. Isn't that wonderful? So don't compromise.
0: Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street,